is Danish Dynamite, the Superliga podcast, brought to you by footballindenmark.com. Welcome to Danish Dynamite, episode 20, the magic number given most podcasts don't make it this far, so I'm very glad to be here. At the business end of the season, it's a tough time for players mentally and physically, so to have another player give up some of their time to talk is something I'm immensely grateful for. Today on the pod, we have a guy who, while only 21, has played a key role in a Champions League campaign, represented his country and moved halfway across the world in the midst of a pandemic. The player in question is none other than FC Copenhagen midfielder Marco Stamanich. Marco, welcome to the show. It's a huge pleasure to have you aboard. Thank you, Henry. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on board with you as well. Fantastic. And before we get into the questions, we're recording this the day after the derby at Parkham where Bromby came away with a 1-0 win. As a team, how do you put setbacks like this behind you and prevent them from damaging momentum in the in the title race? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, we've had a rough couple of weeks. I think there are, as any season, a lot of ups and downs. And I think uh, the best teams know how to handle this. We're, we're obviously still in uh, the, the first position in, in the league and we're still in the cup race so we have a lot of things to look forward to and a big month ahead of us um, so I think we just need to find uh, that motivation to you know keep going and and that we will uh, eventually reach our goals of winning the league and uh, hopefully winning the cup as well so I think yeah I think it's important that we just continue to remember what we've done and how we've brung our our comeback from the start of the season to where we are now and uh, remember that in the back of our heads when we we go on the field the next time um, and I'm sure the boys will do that well. I wanted to go back to the start and growing up in New Zealand there must be a lot of competing sporting interests. It's a very sporty nation, very good at lots of sports given its size. Was there ever any doubt that football would take priority for you? No, I, I started it when I was li- very little with my dad. He was a big football enthusiast from Serbia. He, he, he watched a lot of football and a, a big f- uh, fanatic in that area and um, when he moved over to New Zealand, had me as a, his firstborn. Uh, I knew he wanted to implement a bit of his past into into his kid, and so he enrolled me into football. And obviously, my mum's side Samoan, and there, you know, the genes of the Samoan it just reminds you of you can say the Rock. You know, they they're built big, perfect for rugby. But I was this small, skinny uh, kid, so I fit, didn't really fit into that into that category of rugby. So my dad put me into football and I, I actually really enjoyed it. And ever since then, I just continued going with it and see where it went. And um, yeah, as, as the years went past, I started to get an even bigger passion for it and could see that I was doing quite well and, and could take this as far as I as I wanted to. Yeah, and I think even if you're not built like Jonah Lomu, you've, uh, you've <laughs> definitely got some of that Samoan fighting spirit in the, in the way you play. I wondered, how did the move to FC Copenhagen come about? It all started at the uh, World Cup in Brazil, 2019. We played uh, an under-17 World Cup for New Zealand, and I was selected for that. We had some, three games there, and knowing the World Cup and the biggest stage in the world, there was a lot of young talent there and a lot of scouts along with that. So I remember there was a game against Brazil that we played, and we got thrashed 3-0, but we had actually a pretty good game. A few of us did, and there was a scout um, named Mikel from the agency that I'm with now. And he was looking out for Brazilian players and he ended up spotting me. And from then on, he flew over to New Zealand after the World Cup because obviously I had to go back and finish school and get back to the normal life that I was used to. And he flew over within a month of after the World Cup to meet us on a personal level and let us know his plans for what he wanted to do with me and, and my football. 
and we we found that really acknowledging that he would fly all the way from Europe all the way to New Zealand just to have this conversation that we could have easily had just like me and you are right now but it just showed the commitment that they were willing to put in for me and um, we decided that we would sign and 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 work with them and see where it goes so after that it was the month of March in 2020 where I got a call from Mikkel and he said there is a club FC Copenhagen in Denmark that are willing to to give you a trial, a two-week trial, and, and, and see where it goes from there. So I packed my things up. I said bye to mum and dad with no return ticket to see, hopefully, that if I could get uh, my first pro contract. And as you mentioned before, that's when the pandemic was was all over the place. So I was there for maybe 10 days, and then the, the football stopped. The club, FC Copenhagen, told me that um, there's no longer any more trainings. We're going to put the whole country is going to go on lockdown, and... Uh, you have a decision you can stay or you can go back home and then we can resume in the summer and see where uh see where things are in the world so i went home and went back to my academy Ole football academy trained hoping that one day i'll get that phone call to to return back to copenhagen to finish my trial and i did two days before my dad's birthday in july so i flew back over there and, and from then on uh, i stayed with them to finish my trial and stayed for i think it was a, a couple of months before i signed my my official contract and that's where it all started amazing and going over for a trial must be quite daunting because you know that you've got to play your best stuff in a very short period of time that you know there's no time to pick up an injury to have a a few off games did that throw you off your rhythm or or was that a, a motivator for sure a motivator I think just going here and and reminding myself of how much my family sacrificed for me to be able to be in this situation was a big motivator in itself so I think I, I had a lot of motivation when I arrived there and I knew that um, there was no time to waste and I needed to show them what I'm capable of doing. So I, I used every minute, every every hour possible uh, to show them on and off the field and um, ended up working out as planned. Obviously, you spent some time with the, with the under-19s. Moving up to the first team, aside from the individual quality, what was the biggest thing you noticed uh, making that transition, whether it's in terms of preparation or, or mentality? I think the the major difference, even if we compare New Zealand football to under 19s itself, when I first came, it was the tempo and in, in the play. I think I was I was used to being able to take, you know, four or five touches before any person would come near me in New Zealand, and then now coming into into professional football and as we said, nine, under 19s football, I was having to take two three touches before someone came up to me. Um, and then moving up to the first team, it became you know one to two touches. So I think the tempo is, was a big uh, was a big factor in all of it. And in between that as well, you had uh, a loan to HB Co. I wondered how important was the loan to managing that step up in level. Yeah, for sure. At, at first, I was a bit in doubt if it was the right thing for me, but you know I, I knew I had to take a step backwards to take two steps forward. It was a good move and I'm really happy that I did that. I learned a lot about myself on the field and off the field. And I think I, I grew a lot as a person while I was over there having to play a, a pretty big part in a, in a team that was, you know, fighting for a position in the in the first division of, of Danish football. So, yeah, it was a really good experience. It was very physical. Uh, I, I grew a lot in my body and, and also I had, you know, amazing coaches that were, were able to pass on their knowledge, Daniel Agger, Lars Jakobsen. So um, big names that um, I learned a lot from. 
Amazing. Yeah, that that must have been really important. And it obviously prepared you for coming into the first team where you joined the first team in the thick of a, a Champions League campaign. And I've got a confession to make that back in the day, I spent a, a crazy amount of time playing football manager. And there were times where there was a big Champions League game where I play the anthem and recreate the the scene where I'm stood there on the pitch. I wonder, before your first Champions League game, can you be honest and tell me, did you do that at home? Did you have the music playing and just practice your, your deadpan look into the camera? <laughs> yeah, I, de- I definitely had, you know, like I, I would imagine it, you know, just on, on the bus there as well. It's like the anthem. I know my dad sent the, the Champions League anthem to his ringtone. And this was like one of the days that I, I he, he flew over for the Man City game. And I, he got a phone call and it was, you know, the, the, the anthem. I was thinking, what the what's going on here but yeah for sure like I I did um I was reminiscing a lot from from the for the Man City game of my first Champions League and and the anthem was always ringing in my ears yeah I was uh, actually in Manchester for that game with the, with the FC Copenhagen fans, which is an experience in itself. And I thought that it was amazing that despite being on the, the wrong end of a, a result to a very good team, the FC Copenhagen fans were the only ones making noise in the stadium all game. And that must be amazing to have that sort of support wherever you go. Yeah, it was truly amazing. You know, when I moved to the first team, I was thinking, oh, we're playing away like it's it's going to be tough. But then we, we're, I think for, for majority of the games, maybe not against Bondu because we don't have them there, but for majority of the games throughout the league as well, it's like we, we have the best fans uh, for sure. And uh, they're always the loudest and it's a, a huge uh, motivator and you really feel it when you play. And it's, yeah, it's an amazing feeling as well to, to celebrate a goal or a win with them. Going back to that Champions League campaign, you started three successive Champions League fixtures, Sevilla at home and then both legs of Man City. What fixture from the campaign stood out the most to you and were there any individual moments whether it was tackling De Bruyne or uh, or or stepping out onto the turf for the first time that will really kind of stick with you from that experience yeah I think definitely obviously I I have to mention the the debut in the in my Champions League campaign against Sevilla that was a a really important moment for me and, and for my family but I would say the the, the biggest moment for me was having my family there for the, the home game in Parkin against Man City. I had yeah everyone that is very important to me in my life there. And I also had my, my coach that coached me in New Zealand for, for 10 odd years. So it was a really amazing experience. And we also got a, a reasonably good result against probably the best team in the world. So yeah, it was a, it was a really good day for, for me and, and my family and the team and the club as well. Yeah, and I think FC Copenhagen, particularly in the the home games, that campaign came away with quite a lot of credit because it was a really, really difficult group. And mm. to, to pick up three draws at home was was excellent. So yeah, that must have been a real experience having them there for you. And I, I think you said that it's the, the Man City away game was the first time they had seen you play a professional game or your family had seen you play a professional game in, in person. Yeah, it was. Yep. Yeah, they they hadn't flown over, or they did, but they had only watched the national team games in in Qatar, and then they they came over that summer that I rejoined with with Copenhagen from from Hobiku, and uh, yeah, they were they saw a friendly game, but this was the first official uh, professional game in Champions League as well. You can't really get any better than that. So yeah, they loved it. Incredible. And this season, between August and October, you started almost every league game. In a squad that's as deep as FC Copenhagen's, it's perhaps natural that there will be games that you don't play. But I wondered, how do you cope mentally and physically with preparing for a game and then not getting on the pitch? 
yeah, I think with the amount of games that we we have to play throughout a year, throughout a season, you know, we talk about it all the time. Everyone has to be prepared because you never know what will happen. There, there could be injuries, there could be suspensions, and what do you do next? You're you're the one next in line. So um, I think that's the mentality that I had when I rejoined from Ku as well. That I, I had a good preseason. And maybe I didn't start the first couple games of the of the league, and um, I knew that my time was coming up soon. So I was just doing everything I could, and I still continue to do that, even though my situation's a bit different. But yeah, I'm I'm there for the team and always preparing myself and eating the right food, sleeping the right way, and. I think uh, good karma will hit when you when you do all the things right. Amazing. And a few months ago, it was announced that you would be moving to Red Star Belgrade in Serbia. How has it been playing in this interim period, knowing that you're you're going to be leaving? I haven't been focused too much on Red Star at all in terms of you know how I'm going to be playing there yet. It's more focusing on winning the league and winning the cup because you know I'm still under contract and. I'm still wanting to give everything that the club has given me as well for the last two, three years. So I have a lot to give back to them for, for what they've done for me and giving me the opportunity to step on the field in the Champions League game and take a step into the water of uh, international and domestic football. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough period right now in, in terms of playing time, but uh, I've always uh, had in the back of my head that you know I'm doing everything for the team and, and, and that we will win the league and win the cup. and that's uh, what's most important yeah and having made it into the first team set up started building a life there you've got a girlfriend in in Copenhagen how tough a decision was it once you knew that Red Star were interested yeah well, it was a really tough decision because there was you know nothing going wrong with with Copenhagen at all it was more just a, an opportunity to to continue the Champions League run that we had started and I saw Red Star as a, as a great opportunity to take a step forward into into playing that regularly every year um, as they're so dominant in, in, in their league and in, in their country. Um, I also have, you know, Serbian roots from there and there are all, a lot of factors that just worked out to be more beneficial for me and also my family. So um, it was a tough decision to make, but I think that in the end of the day, I, I, I was looking out for myself and my family and that, that's that's what was most important. And yeah, also my girlfriend is, is from Copenhagen and she obviously would, you know, love to, love to be here and she has her family and friends and whole childhood here, but she's also same as me. She wants to, you know, go out of her comfort zone and try new things and experience a new life. And I think, uh, yeah, she's also really excited for that. Cool. That must make the transition much better, knowing that that she's going to be coming with. Yeah. Um, I noticed that Red Star are, I think, twenty five points clear in the the league at the moment. So it looks like you'll definitely be stepping into a team with with plenty of opportunity for trophies and European football. I wondered. You said you haven't been thinking too far forward about that, but in your head, do you see your role on the pitch as being identical to to what you do at FC Co? Or do you think it'll be more attacking, more defensive, or is that just uh, pie in the sky for the moment? No, for for sure. I think you know we we have conversations with the club, and they when we were negotiating, and they were telling me how they see my role in the team, and you know it's all up to the coach really on the game day. They they change like any other team. It would be some days I would play as a nine or a, a ten or an eight or a six, maybe even centre back. Like a, it it really depends on the on the day um, how the coach is is preparing for the game. So I see myself as a as an attacking and defending midfielder and that's what I like most being able to do both but obviously in a, in a team this big and 
there's always going to be competition. And if I have to play six or if I have to play eight in this game and I have specific roles, then that's what I have to do and that's what I'll do. Kiwi Patrick Vieira. <laughs> I like that, yeah. <laughs> um, back to yeah. back to the Superliga. Which is your favourite stadium to play in outside of Parkin? Outside of Parkin, it's a good question. Hobie Kerr, then it's got some history behind it, and I've got history with them. I enjoyed playing with them. There, it was like a family playing with them. Uh, uh, the fans were really nice, and uh, yeah, it was just like a reminded me of when I was in New Zealand, the sort of uh, the football stadium we played in. So I would say I, I enjoyed playing there as well. Brilliant. Anyone listening to this, forgive me because I've asked I've asked everyone this question, but it's just, I'm just really fascinated by it. Um, how does playing on artificial surfaces affect your game personally? Do you notice a big difference? Does it affect your passing or first touch or anything like that? Yeah, for sure. Like I think you you have to prepare yourself differently when you when you play on turf because the ball moves a lot faster, a lot more bumpier. I think. Um, obviously depending on what turf you play on also yeah the, the whole ball and bounce of the ball is all different so I think it's just you have to prepare yourself for, for these little small changes in the in the game but ultimately there's there's not much difference um, I think it's you know the the little fine details that will that will change a, a lot of the game but other than that it's, it's not too much of a, of a hassle for, for me personally. Good stuff. You're yet to score for FC Copenhagen, but if you do get the opportunity before the end of the season, do you already have a celebration planned or would it be something spontaneous? I think, yeah, I've been thinking about it. If I if I did get the opportunity to score a goal, I would definitely set, celebrate with the, the our ultras, our fans. I love when we engage them in, in the goal because they're also part of it. They have huge impact on how we play. And so I would definitely go to the fans and then I always send a kiss to, to the cameras because I know my, my parents and girlfriend are also watching. Brilliant. I wanted to ask a few sort of off the pitch things. And firstly, FC Copenhagen have loads of fans in the city, one of the, if not the best supported club in, in Denmark. Do you get recognised out and about and how do you find that if so? Yeah, I think definitely once I began to to start regularly for the first team, I started to, to notice a lot more people recognising me and, and stopping me when I'd have coffee with my girlfriend and say, oh, well done last night, it was a good game and small things like this. And yeah, occasionally you get a, a person asking for photos and it's uh, it's yeah it's it's really and it's a nice feeling in in Denmark they're quite reserved people so it doesn't come across too of a harassment type so it's a it's a nice interaction with with fans and yeah it, it was a nice nice new experience compared before when I, ha- I had no fans really so it was it's really nice yeah. you must have grown to love Copenhagen as a city I mean correct me if I'm wrong but I, I'm, I'm assuming you must have grown to love it because it's such a cool city Talk me through some of your favorite spots, whether it's for coffee or a walk or whatever. Where do you, where are you going to miss in the city? Yeah, we we live in a in a place called Vestibul. It's it's quite close to Tivoli, and there's always nice cafes around there. And it's very close to the long street stop. And there's a lot of shopping centers and all sorts of restaurants and nice nice places. Me and my girlfriend will definitely miss. But yeah, there's there's way too much to to mention on 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 this uh, of the places we'll miss but i think it's more the people and the friends that i'll miss as well that I've, I've met so many awesome people over the last three years that yeah we're definitely going to stay in touch with with them but yeah it will have to be the friends and, and connections that that i'll miss most i think 
Maybe when your final contract at Real Madrid expires, you'll come back to Copenhagen for your your, uh, your swan song. Yeah, that's that's something that we actually talked about. Me and Monica, my girlfriend. You know, like we, I really love the city. It's got everything you can ask for. It's, I'm I'm really big on you know fashion and um, restaurants and and all of these nice things uh, that we like to enjoy from once in a while. And it's just a city full of everything and the culture, especially in the summer. It's just a it's a nice vibe that I think most people really really love in Europe the only thing I could doubt but yeah have some things to say is the weather I won't miss the winter here you're a regular in the national team for New Zealand which must be amazing but I I wondered how you manage the international breaks given you know when you go and play over there there's a huge time difference and that must impact your your body and your your schedule yeah for sure I think we look at the last international window was in March and we had a I think it was a six or seven day window and we played in New Zealand. Uh, so majority of us play in Europe already. And the flight there alone is almost two days and you also miss a, miss a day because of the, the time zone. So um, it is a, it's, a, it's a tough trip. And then you also get off a plane and then the next day you have to play 90 minutes and two days after that, another 90 minutes. So it is a tough transition, but anything for my country, you know, I love I love playing for, for New Zealand, especially when we get to play at home in front of family and friends. So it's it's a, it's a good experience. And several months back, I wrote a piece about Superliga fans around the world. And amongst those I featured were your mum and dad back in New Zealand, who told me that they watch every match, whatever the time of day, the neighbours might not like it if it's at 4am, but so be it. How much does it motivate you to know that even if they're not in the stadium, wherever you're playing, whatever time they're, they're at home supporting? Yeah, it's a it's a huge privilege, you know. I know that they're they're always there supporting me. I I get a text even in the last you know three four months, even though I'm not playing so much. Then good luck, son, if you come on. And it's you know it's a nice feeling to to have the parents and also my little sister that support me so much. And I think it's going to be a huge uh, huge factor for me to go far further and further in my career. Brilliant. I wanted to ask about some of your FC Copenhagen teammates. And I wanted to ask which of them you would choose for various different things. So the first one is, say you're putting together a five-a-side team. And I'm going to take it as a given that you'll be in the five. But who would you pick? Would it be more defenders, more attackers? Who's filling out your five-a-side lineup? Wow, that's a good question. Do I have to pick a keeper? <laughs> if you want to go with a rush keeper, be my <laughs> guest. But that sounds like a dangerous uh, tactic. I'll go for a rush keeper, you know. Okay. I'll start with Rasmus Falk, amazing player, good in tight spaces. I'll have him for sure. Zeka, when he's fit, that, you know, heart of the team, I'd have him there. I'd have a player, a new player, Jordan Larson, quite good on the ball, silky silky smooth. I'd have him. How many is that? Three? Four? Plus me? That's four, including you. Okay, one more. We have a midfielder in the text. I might, I have to go for a defender. I'll go Elias Yellow, uh, the right back. Yeah. He's got all right. the, the all-round package, I think. Uh, and he's a good laugh to play with, so I'll have him on the team as well. It sounds like you've got a good balance of uh, of runners and passes, so that, that could be good. But Rasmus Falcon goal for, for any period <laughs> of the game feel, feels like a huge waste. But <laughs> let's go with that five-side team. <laughs> Who would you pick if you had to have one of your teammates cook a meal for you and your family? Kevin Who would you Dick. trust in the kitchen? Kevin Dix, I think. Yeah, I think he's got that Asian twist and I, I love that, um, love that food. I think he's good in the kitchen and 
he could take care of uh, me and my family quite well. Yeah, Kevin Dix. Brilliant. Shout out Kevin in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had the privilege of speaking with him earlier last year. Great guy. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I had no idea he was such a chef. What about who would you pick if the driver of the team bus suddenly wasn't able to to drive you on an away trip? Who would you trust behind the wheel of uh, of the coach? Let me say just one thing. Definitely not Valdemar Lund. I have to say that. <laughs> or Elias. So you're not, not no, good I, drivers? No, I had the privilege, uh, privilege of uh, driving with them over in Portugal. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going in a car with them again. I would say William Clem. He was good. He took over. He took the shift. Um, yeah, he was quite good. I'll say him. Nice. So we've got our coach driver. And, yeah. and the, the final question is, if one of your teammates, you had to choose one of them to sit next to you on a red-eye flight to New Zealand. So for all 19 hours or whatever, who would you be stuck next to? Oh, that's a great question. None of them? <laughs> <laughs> I can't, nah. I can't that. Someone's getting the ticket. I need to know who to give it to. I would say Elias. I think me and him get quite a lot uh, along quite well. And yeah, he's always got something funny to say. And yeah, he would uh, keep me entertained. Yeah, Elias. Nice. I wondered if you were going to choose someone who'd put you to sleep, but someone to keep you entertained sounds (laughs) good. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Brilliant. Back to the pitch. Which player has been the biggest help to you in terms of developing your game? I would say Zeka. Carlos Zeca. I think when I joined, we were definitely in the, we have very similar playing styles, I feel. He was initially the first player I looked up to and, and knew actually before I before I uh, joined FC Copenhagen. I uh, played with a national team player who also played with him in Pantheakos. So he, he told me to also say hi to, to Zeca on behalf of him. And I think that started the conversation from there and, and the relationship we built from that. And ever since then, like ever since I stepped into the first team, he's always looked after me and he's always asked me, are you all right? Do you need to go for coffee? Should we talk? And he's always been a great help on the field as well with little things that I've, I've picked up on defending and, and, and both attacking. So I think he's been of, of huge help to me in, in my development over the last last couple of years amazing yeah he's obviously a a fantastic leader and I guess Mm. developing young players is such a key part of FC Copenhagen that 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 comes with the territory so I'm I'm glad that he's uh, had such a positive effect I wanted to know what's been your favorite FC Copenhagen shirt that you've worn since you've been there design wise aesthetic you said you're into fashion which (laughs) has been your your favorite one that you'd wear with jeans I really like our third kit of this season the sort of red dark red colorway I really like that not the pink one, not the hot pink no, third kit. No, the red the one. Pink. Yeah, not the pink one. The red one. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, the red one. The army one was kind of cool as well last year. But I think, mm-hmm. yeah, the the white, just this plain white home kit. I know my dad uh, really liked having Carlsberg at the front before they changed it to Unibet. So I would say that's my favorite kit. And that's also the one I first wore when I when I came. So the, the home kit with the, the Carlsberg best best beer in the world uh, right in the front of uh, the home kit yeah it was so much better with Carlsberg than Unibet wasn't it just aesthetically it just looked amazing so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that is it still cool to go into the dressing room and see your shirt hanging up with your name on it or are you are you used to that by now yeah it's definitely still cool I mean I, it doesn't beat the first time that that you see your name as well because you know when I first came I remember going through a, a little tour around parking and 
and seeing all these big names and going into their dressing rooms and seeing that their names are all built into the wall and their their own little locker rooms and me imagining you know one day I I wonder I wanted my own locker so it was really cool when I when I got my debut and, and also joined the first team that I, I eventually got all of that and um, yeah to see it every every weekend and every game is is awesome as well. With all the travel and hotel stays and the fact that training finishes early in the day, it feels like the life of a footballer, especially one playing away from home, can be quite solitary at times. And even mm. when I see footage of travel to a match, players often had, have headphones on. Is that the case or is it more sociable than it seems? You know, Do you hang out with teammates often outside of training? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, we... we... I have I've built so many good connections over the last couple of years. We always find ways of of connecting with each other outside of football because I think it's also you know relates back onto the field as well. Um, how good your connection is with your with your teammate and t- teammates. So um, we always find opportunities to to go out to eat or have a coffee and just talk about life and how things are going. And I think that's really important for me as well. I you know if if I was to go to training and then I would just come home and don't have really much to do it. I'd obviously have my girlfriend and we would also find things to do to, to keep ourselves busy, but it's also important to have that with your with your teammates. But on these away trips, it's also it's also nice to stay at a hotel for a night. Um, we find, you know, card games pretty intense with, with one another, so they get pretty heated at times and it's quite a fun uh, environment to be a part of. So we, we've been indulging in that in the, the last couple of games and it's been, a, yeah, it's been a good atmosphere. Have you caught anyone sneaking a look of other people's cards? Oh yeah, Jordan Larson is a is a big. Uh, he's really guilty of that. <laughs> Card shark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a, a fellow Kiwi on the other side of Copenhagen, Joe Bell at Bromby. Are you close to him, and has it helped having another guy nearby who knows about LMP? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you caught me off guard with that. Yeah, really, really good guy. We we've got along ever since we met on the national team. Really good guy, and we. You know, we we have to be quite careful with with these things because he's from Bonbu and I'm from Ipsico. So we pick and choose times where it's probably sensible. I don't think I I would have seen him the day before yesterday. But on an international break, we we see each other a lot for for the international games, and occasionally we might go out for dinner and and so so on like that. So um, yeah, I've I keep in touch with him a lot over over WhatsApp, and he doesn't live far from me either. So it's a, it's an easy travel to him. I've only got a couple more questions because I know you need to put your feet up and we're doing this just after after training. But once you leave, what values as a player will you bring from your time at FC Copenhagen? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I've, I've like I said before, I learned a lot about myself on and off the field. Um, there's plenty of things that I've learned while, while here and in terms of building myself as a player. And like I said before, tempo and playing with less touches and reading the game uh, more intelligently. But also building these relationships with with teammates. You know, I never was in a team where I had come in before I, as a newbie, if that makes sense. I, I had grew up with the same team as a, as a young child and played with some of these guys for eight nine years. So I wasn't really used to being in a new environment. And I think it was good for for me to be uncomfortable, and because that's the only way to be comfortable with with yourself and the environment you're in. So I think I, I learned a lot from that, but also how to deal with things while my family weren't there. I think it was really tough for me when I first moved, especially, you know, on the other side of the world, not having the people that meant most to me in, in the world. And it was really tough at first, but I think that's what I mean. I, I just learned a lot about myself and how to deal with 
with times where I have to be alone after trainings and then having to build a new life here in Copenhagen and now in Belgrade as well, where I have to make new friends and a new relationship. So I think that's all things that I, I learned over the last couple of years, which are, I think will help me over the next 10, 15 years of my career, hopefully. And I, I, I don't have any doubts that I'm going to stumble across even more obstacles where I'm going to even learn more. So it's an exciting time and I'm, I'm excited to learn a lot about more uh, football and also about myself. That's a, an amazingly mature response. I wish I could have heard my response to that when I was your age because it would have been absolute nonsense. So um, yeah, that's that's amazing. And just finally, if someone stops you on the, the street in Belgrade and asks what your what your memories of the Superliga are, how, how you describe the Superliga and Denmark as a whole, like what's your what's your sort of brief summary of what it's like in terms of how it's like to play there, how it's like to live there? Would you recommend it? Mm for sure I'd recommend it I mean it's arguably I, I, I would say it's one of the best cities I've ever been to and we've we've traveled a lot around Europe um, in this small three years um, that I've been here and I would say it's just very nice and everything just seems to work there's not much problems and, and everything is very equal and I think it's it's a really nice lifestyle I think in terms of the the league as well it's it's a tough league I think it's you know there are some teams that were in first division a couple of years ago and now are in the in the mix of a title race. So um, it's very unpredictable with the league and it's very equal, I feel. There's obviously a couple of teams that are above above the rest of them, I, I could say FC Coa. So I think it's a, a competitive league, very physical league and intense and the, the tempo is quite high. So especially if you play for a, a club like FC Coa, you're going to have a, a great life and, and great time here. Yeah, and you only need to look at the players who have come through FC Co early in their career and, and see what they've achieved to prove that point. So yeah, mm. exciting times ahead. Marco, thank you so much for coming on. Wish you the very best of luck for the rest of the season. Bag those medals before you leave so that you've got something physical to, to hold on to from, from your time in, in Copenhagen and wish you very best of luck on your next adventure. I'm sure you'll make a big success of it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Henry. That was Marco Stamanic of FC Copenhagen in conversation with myself here on Danish Dynamite. And yeah, once again, thank you so much to Marco for giving up his time. Really fascinating young guy, amazing story and a superb attitude. And I think he's a credit to FC Copenhagen. And I really think that he's going to go on and achieve great things. Before I sign off, there was some amazing action in the Superliga this past week. AC Horsens began proceedings needing a win to ensure that they kept a healthy distance between themselves and the relegation group. They ended up with a two-all draw with Obi, so the, the gap at the bottom has reduced. And as things stand now, they are only four points clear of Alborg in 11th place. And the reason they're 11th place and not 12th is because they won a really important game against Lungby, a game that was nil-nil heading into the 80th minute when Alborg won a penalty. Who steps up for the penalty? Alan Souza. And what does he do? Penenka's the goalkeeper, which is the most high-risk situation that you can try a Penenka. And maybe that was the double bluff. Maybe the goalkeeper thought, there's no way he's going to do a Penenka in this situation because if he misses, it will be such a disaster. But the ball went in, Souza celebrated like mad, and Alborg picked up an absolutely vital three points that leapfrogs Lungby in the league and puts them, yeah, as I said, within four points of safety. Other notable results from the weekend were obviously the Copenhagen derby that we touched on. I don't think anybody predicted a Bromby victory and 
when I was perusing social media before the game, almost all the talk from both sets of fans were how many goals FC Copenhagen were going to win by. There was a feeling that this could be, you know, an embarrassment fixture, a 4-0 or a 5-0. And it just didn't happen that way. Bromby were not the dominant side, but they hung on. They took their chance very well. Oh, he arriving at the far post and he's just got such a knack for arriving in the right place at the right time and, and making the most of that those finishes. And a brilliant penalty save by Mads Hermansen. Wasn't the best penalty in the world by Vavro, but with the amount of pressure of that moment, he did very well to get down and, and make that stop. And yeah, Bromby emerge with a huge amount of confidence from that. I think there was a feeling that all they had left to play for this season were really the derbies. And, and these were going to be two cup finals. And if this result ends up spoiling an FC Copenhagen title, they'll be delighted uh, at that. So I think this this has just ramped up the intensity of the return fixture in a couple of weeks over in Bromby Stadium and FC Copenhagen will be hell-bent on seeking revenge in that one. So yeah, another twist in the tail. And FC Norgeland could have taken full advantage of that. They played AGF at home, but failed to because they lost 1-0. Very nice goal by Mikael Andersen. But once again, FC Norgeland failed to be at their best and they could have gone top with a victory and instead... It remains as it was. So the weekend finishes with, with FC Copenhagen remaining two points clear, plus a significantly better goal difference at the top of the table. The big winners this weekend were, were Viborg, who pulled off a 3-1 victory at Ranners, where they, they ran away with the game. They looked back to their best, and they're now within three points of the leaders. So I don't think it's a hot take at all to say that I think Viborg are really in with the shout of the title now. They're if they can continue this momentum with, with both FC Co and, and Norgeland floundering somewhat, they could take advantage here. And three points is not a lot to make up with five games to go. So all to play for. And the final two fixtures of the season for Viborg are, you guessed it, FC Copenhagen and FC Norgeland. So it's effectively in their hands, which is quite exciting for those of a Viborg persuasion. FC Micheland won very convincingly on Monday night against Silkeborg. I think Silkeborg have more or less down tools now. Gustav Isaksen really putting himself in the shop window. And that was the weekend's fixtures wrapped. Next weekend, there's another relegation six-pointer as Alborg take on Horsens on Sunday. Lungby take on Micheland in what is arguably the toughest game you can get in the relegation group. Uh, Silkeborg host Obi. Not a game that I think is likely to be high-octane given the fortunes of both teams uh, and what they stand to gain at the, the remainder of the season, but it, it could spring a surprise, I suppose. Rana's take on Bromby in Jylland and a chance for Rana's to really put that V-ball performance behind them, but they're going to be playing a Bromby side who are obviously boosted by that derby victory. AGF host Viborg, and this is really the the battle of the best of the rest. You know, who's going to take third place or or potentially kick on and, and go for more? Uh, the result of this one's going to be fascinating. So that, that's the, the game that I'm going to have my eye on on Sunday. And then on Monday evening, we are treated to FC Norgeland hosting FC Copenhagen in Farum. With both teams having slipped up this previous weekend, this is a high stakes title encounter. Whatever happens in this game, it's likely to let Viborg in with a chance should they should they pick up points this weekend. So another incredible weekend of action. 
to look forward to. I'll be back next week with another guest to review all of that action in a bit more depth than we've done this week. But I wanted to present you the interview with Marco in full. Uh, it's not every day that you get a Superliga player in and we've had two in two weeks, which is a very fortunate position to be in. I hope you've enjoyed both of those. So until next week, thanks very much for listening. Thank you again to Marco for his time and look forward to another great weekend of Super League action. Take care and I will catch you next time.